Welcome to the First Baptist Cadillac podcast. First Baptist Cadillac is a growing intergenerational family of faith whose mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us each week as we engage God's word together. We would love to hear from you. Please contact us at firstbaptistcadillac.org or text WELCOME to 231-261-1112. Today, we continue on in the series, The Cast of Christmas, where so far we've taken a deep dive into the characters of the prophets and the angels. And today, I'm very excited, excited to highlight the role of the shepherds, because I think there's a lot for us to learn from the shepherds. So I'm going to ask, would you stand with me as we read the text in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20? Familiar passage, but don't zone out. Pay in close attention, especially to the activity of the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not! For behold, I bring you some good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Father, it's a familiar passage. Some perhaps even know it by heart. God, in that familiarity, help us not to zone out, to tune out, but God, help us to be open vessels for you to speak to, because there's a lot for us to hear this morning. So we ask for your help in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning we want to address two key questions in the sermon. And the first key question is this, why the shepherds? Why the shepherds? I mean, out of all the people on earth, Why were shepherds the first to hear about the birth of Jesus, the Messiah? Wouldn't it have made a lot more sense for the angels to make the announcement to the, perhaps the high priest in the temple at Jerusalem, uh, the other religious leaders, the the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, this spiritual elite of the Jews? Surely they should be the ones to get the news first. But as we know... That was not the case. And so that's question number one that we're going to wrestle with is, why the shepherds? Question number two is, why these shepherds? 
Why these shepherds? I mean, it's fine if God wants to make his first announcements to some shepherds, but there were a lot of other shepherds who were not chosen to receive this announcement. So what was so special about these guys? Was there something special about them? And I I believe that as we wrestle with these two questions, the answer to these questions will reveal profound truths about what verse 10 refers to as the good news. The answers to these two questions reveal profound truths about what verse 10 refers to as good news. Let's go back to verse 10 just for a moment where it says, The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Good news. We, we need some good news, right? Turn on the TV, bad news. Open the newspaper, bad news. Pick up the phone, bad news. We need good news. And that phrase, good news, it comes from the Greek euangelion, which we, we get our English word evangelism from that Greek word. And this is frequently translated very simply as gospel. Reminding us that the gospel, what we refer to as gospel, is literally good news. And that we are to be people of good news. And I want to ask you, does your life reflect this? Are you known as a person of good news? Or are you known as a person who rants? Okay? On social media. Or with your friends or with your coworkers. If If they were to label you good news person or ranting person, what would you be known as? We are good news people. We are gospel people. But what exactly is the gospel and why is it literally good news? Well, the gospel is defined like this. The gospel is the good news that while we were still sinners deserving God's judgment and wrath, Jesus came to earth as the sinless sacrifice who paid the penalty for our sins. Let me say that again. The gospel is the good news that while we were still sinners, deserving God's judgment and wrath, Jesus Christ came to earth as the sinless sacrifice who paid the penalty for our sins. And now all who turn from their sins and turn to Jesus, that's called repentance, all who do this, trusting in him alone for salvation, have life abundant both now and forevermore. And that, my friends, is literally the best news ever. How can we get so distracted and so hung up on the bad news in our culture, in our society, when we have been filled with and are people of the good news? I'm not denying that there aren't problems in our world. And I'm not saying we should put our heads in the, bury our heads in the sand. But at the end of the day, what consumes you? What do you obsess about? Are you obsessed with good news Are you obsessed with the other stuff? But again, the first proclamation of this good news leaves us, it leaves us scratching our heads and asking the question, why the shepherds? Why were they chosen to be the first recipients? And what does this teach us about the nature of this good news? Well, the the first thing it teaches us is that the gospel is for all people. The gospel is for all people. If you looked up the word nobody in the Encyclopedia Bethlehemica, I thought, I thought Mac would like that. Yeah, that, that was, that was um, some of you don't even know what an encyclopedia is, do you? Which is very sad, very sad. Well, if you looked up the word nobody in Wikipedia, let's go there, you'd probably find the picture of a shepherd. 
For you see, on the social ladder in the ancient world, shepherds were very near, if not at, the bottom of their culture. They were uneducated and unskilled. And they were, they were so looked down upon, there's this great irony here, I hope that you see it. They were so looked down upon that they were not even permitted to testify in a court of law. And yet, check this out, here they are being called upon by God Almighty to testify about the best news ever. Just like God turning things upside down, what we value is different. You see, the fact that God chose lowly shepherds for this task of testifying to the good news was very intentional on his part. It communicates the fact that the gospel is not only for the rich, for the famous, for the spiritual elite, for those in high social standing. Rather, the gospel is for shepherds. And if it's for shepherds, then it's for everyone. The gospel is for all people. That includes you. It includes me, regardless of social standing, regardless of how much money you have, how much standing you have. There's a place in the family of God for everyone. You belong. And when the evil one tries to whisper in your ear and say, "Ah, you don't belong. You don't measure up. You're not like those people. You are like those people because you know what we all have in common? We're all sinners. We're all sinners. I like that, uh, that analogy. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Second, the fact that the good news first came to shepherds, the shepherds, tells us that the gospel is for unclean people. The gospel is for unclean people. It's no secret that being a shepherd it was dirty business. In fact, it could have easily been featured on that show. Remember that one? Mike Rose, Dirty Jobs. It would have been right up there, probably after the episode on sewage inspector, crime scene cleaner, coal miner, shepherd. Well, what was it that made being a shepherd such a dirty job? Well, as cute as these little guys are, and they are cute, aren't they? They tend to get covered with mud and blood and other stuff that we'll just leave right there all of which made shepherds unclean. And check this out. This is important. Not just unclean physically, as if they needed a bath, which they did, but unclean spiritually. For you see, the Jews had a long list of rules for how a person was to become ceremonially clean so that they could participate in temple worship. But unfortunately for shepherds, it was the nature of their work and their schedules the nature of the profession, that they were never ceremonially clean. And therefore, they could not participate in worship in the temple, making them both social and spiritual outcasts. And yet, to whom does God send angels with the good news of how to become spiritually clean? To dirty, unclean shepherds. These guys. A bunch of unclean shepherds, which tells us that not only is the gospel for all people, but it is especially for unclean people, people like shepherds and people like you and me. As Jesus said in Luke 5.31, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, 
I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And as we read the Gospels, and as we dig into the book of Mark, starting in a few weeks, we're going to see Jesus reaching out to the unclean, engaging the unclean, ministering to the unclean, calling the unclean, just like shepherds. Third, the fact that the good news first came to shepherds tells us that the gospel is for watchful people. The gospel is for watchful people. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, what is the primary job of a shepherd? To keep watch. How does the Christmas carol go? While shepherds kept their watch by night. They're, they're supposed to watch the sheep to make sure that they don't wander off. They're to watch for predators to make sure that the sheep are protected so that they're not stolen. Shepherds are by their very nature watchers, which means that they spend a lot of time being still. They spend a lot of time just being still. And God has a special place in his heart for those who take the time to be still, doesn't he? Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Slow down. Quiet your heart. Be watchful like a shepherd. And like Mary in Luke chapter 10, I use this passage way too much, but I just think it's so important for us in our culture. You remember the story, Mary and Martha invite Jesus into their home. Martha is in overdrive. She's hustling and bustling to take care of her guests. She's cooking. She's cleaning. She's making sure all their needs are met. But Mary, she chooses to be still, to be watchful like a shepherd, and to sit at the feet of Jesus. And when Martha has a hissy fit about this, and she goes to Jesus, don't you care, Jesus? Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 41, Martha, Martha, church, church, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. That might be a really good theme verse for 2023 for somebody here today. One thing is necessary. We got lots of choices, lots of options, lots of decisions that we have to make in our lives, and it can get so overwhelming. But you know what, church, at the end of the day, one thing is necessary. To be watchful like Mary to sit at the feet of Jesus, to be still, to listen, to spend time with him, to know that he is God, being watchful like a shepherd, listening for that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. So why the shepherds? Well, because the gospel is for all people, the gospel is for unclean people, and the gospel is for watchful people. And and now let me give you a bonus reason that the good news first came to the shepherds. Anybody excited about getting a bonus this morning? Um, The bonus reason is this. Who better than shepherds to understand the role of Jesus as the good shepherd, right? Who better than shepherds to understand the role of Jesus as the good shepherd? For you see, while shepherding was despised in the world's eyes, it has always been highly valued in God's eyes. Because it is the perfect picture of how he relates to his people. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd. 
And what do shepherds do? Well, they watch, but they also feed. They protect. They guide. They comfort. They heal with great care and compassion. And so it is with our God, and I find great, great comfort in that picture. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not need anything because he will provide. And so Jesus said of himself in John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so when, when those shepherds, they, they looked into the manger, what did they see? A baby, yes, but they also saw the good shepherd who would lay down his life for the sheep. And who better than the shepherds to understand the role of Jesus as the good shepherd? And so that's the answer to question number one, why the shepherds? Now let's wrestle with that second question, why these shepherds? Again, there were a lot of shepherds in that day, and most of them were not chosen to receive this announcement. So what was special about these guys? Well, I believe there was something very special, as demonstrated by their response to the announcement of the good news, their response when prompted with the gospel. So I believe that there are some important truths that we can learn about the gospel because of their response. And first we learn that the gospel prompts us to seek. The gospel prompts us to seek. Look at verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I love that phrase. They went with haste. The NIV says they hurried off. They booked it to Bethlehem, which causes me to ask, what did they do with their sheep? You think? It doesn't say, but that would be my guess. You can't leave with haste unless there was like a, you could have a sheep babysitter or something. I I don't know. But it reminds me of another example in the scriptures where some people left with haste. Remember Simon and Andrew, the fishermen, when Jesus said, come follow me, and what did they do? They left their nets to follow Jesus. In the same way, shepherds left their sheep. Why? Because the shepherds had just had their world perspective, their worldview just radically changed forever. As they heard this greatest of good news, now everything else, even sheep, paled in comparison. Nothing else mattered. It was the pearl of great price. It was the treasure in the field. Nothing else compared to what they had just heard. And so... The gospel, this good news, it prompted them to immediately seek the Christ child and and seek they would have to do. Why? Well, if you notice, the angels didn't give very good directions, did they? Back to verse 11. These are the directions. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Those are some pretty vague directions, if you ask me. Bethlehem, okay, we've narrowed it down a little bit. Newborn baby, wrapped in cloths. 
except for, you know, it, it's a baby in claws in a manger. So if you're these shepherds, how are you going to find this baby? I guess you go barn to barn, right? You knock on the barn doors. Is there a baby here? No baby here. Move on to the next barn. I, don't, I wonder how many barns they had to go to. In order to find Jesus, they had to seek. They had to seek him. And church, so do we. Jeremiah 29, 13 says it so plainly. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Church, I come across a lot of half-hearted seekers. People who try to keep one foot in the world and try to dip their toe in God's kingdom. And when they inevitably report that Christianity didn't work for them, it's no surprise. Of course it didn't. Because God deserves wholehearted seeking and he honors wholehearted seeking. The kind of seeking of shepherds who go in haste. The kind of seeking of of fishermen who drop their nets. They leave everything and they go. The gospel prompts us to seek. Another lesson we learn from these shepherds is that the gospel also prompts us to share, to share. Look at verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They've encountered the angels of God. They've encountered the glory of God surrounding those angels. And now the Son of God as promised by God. And they would never, ever be the same. Their hearts were full to overflowing with all that they had seen and heard. And they couldn't help but praise God and share His good news with others. It's consistent with the prophet, of Jer- the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 20, verse 9. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Likewise, in the book of Acts, when Peter and John, they were commanded, don't share this good news anymore. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. They proclaimed in Acts chapter 4, verse 19, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. They couldn't help it. They were compelled, just as it was with the shepherds. So it is to be for all of God's people who experience firsthand the grace of God in their lives, that gospel good news. And for many of us here today, maybe we need a fresh touch of that. Maybe it's become a little stale. You remember what it was like, don't you, once upon a time when you first encountered that good news and you couldn't help but to share. And now you have to kind of be coaxed and prodded into sharing. I speak as one who could certainly use a fresh touch, a fresh wind, a fresh fire that would overflow from my soul into those of others. So we learn from the shepherds. The gospel prompts us to seek, but it also prompts us to share. And just as we had a bonus with the first question, we're going to have a bonus response to the second question. And so here it is. Why these shepherds? Well, the answer is, who better than these shepherds to understand the role of Jesus as the Lamb of God? 
Who better than these shepherds to understand the role of Jesus as the Lamb of God? For you see, every Passover, every Jewish household was expected to offer one lamb for sacrifice, but it couldn't just be any lamb. It had to be one that was pure and spotless. It would then be taken to the temple and sacrificed, and the blood would then be collected and brought home, at which point they would take that blood and they would spread it over the doorposts of the house, commemorating the events that took place in Egypt prior to the Exodus, where every house that was covered by the blood was saved from death. Without the blood of the pure, spotless lamb, there was no salvation. Did you hear that? Without the blood of the pure, spotless lamb, there was no salvation. It was true in Egypt at the Exodus, and it's true forevermore. Fast forward now to John chapter 1, verse 29. John the Baptist, he sees Jesus coming, and he exclaims, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb that was prophesied in Isaiah 53, verse 5. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And then 1 Peter 1.18, it, it connects all of these dots for us when it says knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Church, Jesus is the lamb of God. We don't bring lambs to the church to sacrifice as a commemoration for something that happened back into Exodus. Now, Jesus as the once and for all sacrifice. We put our trust in him for the forgiveness for our sins. And then every so often we remember that through the Lord's Supper. The bread representing his body, the cup representing his shed blood, the blood of the pure spotless lamb. And now it's interesting when you look at a map, we've seen this map before, but we're reminded that Bethlehem was about five miles from Jerusalem, right? And so it is not in any way a stretch to think that some of the lambs being raised by these shepherds just outside of Bethlehem would be used for what purpose? For the Passover sacrifice. For the Passover sacrifice. Meaning, who better than these shepherds to understand the role of Jesus as the Lamb of God. When they looked into that manger, they were doing exactly what John the Baptist said in John 1.29. They themselves were beholding the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. So, why the shepherds? The gospel is for all people. The gospel is for unclean people, and it is for watchful people. And then, who better than the shepherds to understand the role of Jesus as the good shepherd? Second key question was, why these shepherds? The gospel prompts us to seek. The gospel prompts us to share. And who better than these shepherds to understand the role of Jesus as the Lamb of God? Shepherds who may very well have been responsible for raising Passover lambs. Which brings us from exposition to application in that familiar question, 
how should we then live? How should we then live? And I, we did this a couple weeks ago. I'd like to do it again. I'd like to entertain about two or three of you who, as the Holy Spirit, has been speaking to you about what this has to do with our lives and everyday life. Um, somebody share with me what you're hearing this morning about application. I'll repeat it so that people in the commons and then the live stream can um, also know what's being said. But somebody raise a hand. So what? So what about the shepherds? The shepherds, these shepherds, but somebody share with me how the Holy Spirit's speaking to you this morning. Dustin, say it again. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. He is absolutely worthy of our full surrender to him. And a lot of people think that surrendering your life to Jesus means that you're going to be miserable because you're going to be in a bondage to, uh, you're going to be a slave to Jesus and he's going to boss you around. And what you, tr- what you truly find when you surrender yourself fully to Jesus, that's when you know what it is to truly be free. Everything else, so much about what we think of as freedom is actually bondage. Again, God's kingdom economy, what's up is down, what's down is up. So it is when we surrender ourselves to Jesus. Um, yes? Oh, I like that. So the shepherds, again, 24-7, they're watching. I'm sure they take shifts. But 24-7, they're watching for things that could come and harm the sheep. Our good shepherd is watching for us 24-7. He doesn't need shifts. He doesn't need to sleep. He's watching us all the time. And what a beautiful image that is. The Lord is my shepherd. Bill, where, Bill? Yeah, he really does. It's that simple, isn't it? It's like, you know what? We're made to share this good news. We were made to share this good news. And so how are we doing? And again, it, 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 I don't think it works to guilt people into evangelism. I don't think it works that way. It's not going to be good. It's not going to come out as good news if we've got to guilt each other into it. But what I think it means is if we're not doing so hot with evangelism, that we need to go back to the watchfulness part, the merry part of sitting at the feet of Jesus and having a fresh encounter with him so that that wells up within us and we just can't help but share. One more. Yeah. They were willing to be interrupted. They took it as a blessing and not as a burden. Anybody like to be interrupted? Man, we got our schedules. Not much margin in those schedules. We got our to-do lists, especially this time of year. And uh, yeah, to get interrupted, it's kind of a bummer. They didn't, when they encountered the glory of God and the good news of the gospel, it wasn't an interruption that they dreaded. It wasn't something that they resented they embraced the interruption and they went exactly where God had them to go and they experienced the blessing that God had for them. There is great blessing that comes from God's interruptions if we will but embrace them. So let me give you three things for myself this morning. Number one, it's time to seek wholeheartedly. It is time to seek wholeheartedly like the shepherds the shepherds who dropped everything, who hurried off to Bethlehem as if nothing could be more important because nothing was more important. The shepherds were wholehearted seekers. They were all in. Are you? Are you? And if you're not this morning, if, you, if your heart is divided, if you're a half-hearted seeker this morning, can you identify what is it actually that's holding you back? 
What is dividing your heart? And will you repent? Will you drop it? Will you leave it behind? Trading it as something that is much lesser for something that is far greater. Those shepherds, they could have rationalized, right? So we can't leave the sheep. And they could have held on to this lesser thing, which was the sheep. And then that's a good thing. It's a good to have a job as a shepherd and have the sheep. But had they chosen that good thing and neglected the best thing, oh, how they would have lost out. How many times do we do that? God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. It's time to seek wholeheartedly. Number two, it's time to watch wholeheartedly. It's time to watch wholeheartedly. Like the shepherds, like Mary, who chose to set everything else aside, all of the busyness, all of the stuff to sit at the feet of Jesus and was commended for it. Indeed, in Mary's life and in our lives, at the end of the day, there is really only one thing that is necessary. Unhurried time in the presence of Jesus. I wonder, what is it that is distracting you from that practice? What is it that interferes with you doing this? And do you have the courage to take action and get rid of those distractions? For some of us, it's going to be saying no to some good things for a better thing. For the best thing, it's time to watch wholeheartedly. And then number three, it's time to share wholeheartedly. It's time to share wholeheartedly. Like the shepherds whose hearts were so full to overflowing what they had seen and heard, they couldn't help but praise God and to share this good news with others. As it was with Jeremiah, as it was with James and John, the good news is the best news ever. Far be it from us because of fear or apathy to keep it to ourselves. And so it's time to seek wholeheartedly, to watch wholeheartedly, to share wholeheartedly. I wonder if you had to choose one of those three that you desire to grow in the most in 2023, which is it? Which one of those do you just feel like, ah, that's the one? And would you commit it to prayer even right now? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the shepherds. And again, the, the actors, the characters, and the cast of Christmas, every single one of them is by design. You chose them on purpose. There are lessons for us to, to learn by their selection and by their actions. And so again, we thank you for this example today. God, I pray that Holy, your Holy Spirit would speak to every single one of us today about one of these three or maybe something else that you have in mind. That God, as we finish this year and begin a new year, that we would be people who embrace the good news and cling to it like never before, who share it like never before, who are watchful like never before, because we seek you like never before. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.